Welcome to the Worshipped Woman Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Kristen. I am a life and relationship coach, deep healing facilitator, and subconscious change expert. On this podcast, we will dive deep into personal growth, transformation, and relationships, releasing patterns of toxicity, codependency, and people-pleasing as we explore what it means to be the worshipped woman. If you are ready to heal, embody your worth, and raise your standards in life and love, you are in the right place. I am so happy to have you here. Now, let's get started. Hello, sisters. Welcome back to the podcast. Kelly here, and I'm so excited for you to be here with us and really excited for you to hear this episode today. So on the show today is Evelyn Wynn, who is a transformational life coach, and she actually specializes in inner child and generational trauma healing. And I'm really excited to talk about generational trauma on this podcast and with Evelyn, because I think it is something that is so, so important to understand when it comes to healing, because it's not really all about you. I mean, it is all about you in the sense you're the only one that can heal, but it's not your fault, right? Like it didn't start with you. And I think Evelyn even even recommends a book that's called It Didn't Start With You when we're talking in the podcast because it truly didn't start with you, you know? And I think it's really important to understand that where we come from, what our families have been through, the culture that we were raised in, all of these things have an effect on us. And it's truly in understanding and accepting that effect that we are able to heal. So Evelyn and I really dive deep into this topic and really I love that she comes from a place that's really about getting to the root cause of issues versus um, just trying to override it by doing somebody else. So if you're somebody who like struggles with self-sabotage or struggles with understanding you know why you might be repeating certain behaviors that you have i think this will be an absolute great great episode for you to listen to so without further ado here it is we're gonna get down into like nitty gritty generational trauma inner child healing the stuff that we all need but might not necessarily know what the hell is even going on you know i think that the topic of generational trauma, it can be so big and often misunderstood. So I would love if you could even just start with telling us what does it mean when we're talking about generational trauma? Like that's a pretty big idea. So right. can we like, can we try to put it into just some like context so people get to go, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's an amazing question. And I feel like when you're an expert at something, it's, sometimes, you know, you got to get reeled back. Like I talk about it almost as if like everybody knows about it, but (laughs) then I have conversations like this and I'm like, oh, right. Actually, a lot of people don't know what it is. So generational trauma is essentially where we can inherit the biological residues of traumatic events in our family history. So the first thing is recognizing that trauma varies in types and intensities. A lot of people kind of go, oh, like, you know, there's no major traumas in my family. So that doesn't affect me. But 
even as simple as your family, your ancestors struggling with mental health or mental illness, um, and they never dealt with that. Or if where there's like the bigger things like suicide or sexual abuse, or even things like war and genocide and communism, like the, it, it ranges. So anything in previous generations that have not been healed can be passed down to the future generations. And then we struggle with uh, the effects of that in adulthood. So things like self-sabotage, procrastination, perfectionism, and the list goes on. Yeah. And so I think that that is kind, could kind of be a bit of like a woo-woo idea to some people like, oh, what do you mean that like it's passed down? But what you're really talking about, like it actually affects our DNA, right? Mm -hmm. Like, can you, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. So the traditional in school, we've been traditionally taught that, you know, DNA is the chromosomal DNA, which is your eye color, your physical traits, like, oh, you inherited your mom's hair color and things like that. But that's actually less than 2% of our total DNA. The other 98% of our DNA is something called non-coding, which is actually responsible for the personality traits, the behavioral traits, and it can actually be influenced by environmental toxins, environmental stressors, um, a mother's emotions, inadequate nutrition. So it literally affects like our cells. So if you think about it this way, your grandma, so your mom's mom, when she was five months pregnant with your mom, the precursor cell of the egg that you developed from was actually present in your mom's ovaries. So when you really think about it, the three of you actually share the same biological environment at one point in your life. So for, like, just to bring up an example, when my grandma was five months pregnant with my mom, they were in communist Vietnam. They were struggling financially. You know, the government owns you. You wait around for that one loaf of bread every single week. So you can only imagine the amount of scarcity and fear and stress that is literally passed out in my family. So there's no wonder why my body is so hypervigilant and so accustomed to stress and stress is like my, like the, the, my normal, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is so important, especially when you really think about it. And I'm, I'm just such a huge fan of taking these concepts that some people think are out there and being like, actually there's, this is scientific <laughs> proof that this is happening. If you literally think about a woman's eggs, like we're born with all the eggs that we're ever going to have in our life. We're born with that. So of course, like how your mom was during her pregnancy yeah. and the stress that she was going through and the things that she was going through are going to be you know, coded into you. Right. And, yeah. and so it's, it's actually, you know, epigenetics as well from what was happening in the, in the past. Right. And I think about it. I mean, I think this is such a big topic right now too, because you even think about the current war that's going on in the world and all of the people that are going to be affected by that. And this is why like trauma just keeps going on and on and on in our society, because it's like, there's always something going on in the world. And there's always like somebody that then is carrying that on. So I would love to know from you, what, what initially got you so interested in this topic that you decided to like, really just (laughs) make it, make yourself all about it. Uh, for me, it's definitely like my own journey. Cause I was never taught about inner child or generational trauma in school. I, they didn't, they don't teach us these things. Right. Not at all. And I think that's, 
one of the biggest problems. So it was through my entrepreneurial journey and through consistent self-sabotaging, specifically in my business. Like one of my biggest symptoms was never being able to keep money. Like I was making money since a really young age, like babysitting or working in sales where I had a high commission paying job. But at the end of the day, I never had anything. I never had a bank sales, um, sorry, a savings account. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? Like, why does this keep happening? And I'm not the kind to spend money on frivolous things. Like it was like invest, not the smartest investments in my business or self-sabotaging behaviors in relationships. Why I could, you know, never keep friends or why I always had such toxic past relationships. And so I think it got to the point where all the things I was suppressing from childhood and it just came out ahead. And in 2020, it was like, I couldn't run away from it anymore. Like I had to look at and deal with it. And so I actually became certified in neurolinguistic programming, clinical hypnotherapy and a bunch of other modalities. And that's when I started learning about, oh, so we're not just from the moment we're born till now, we're also past lives as well as generationally. And when I started realizing that, then I kind of dabbled into more of the generational trauma work. And then I, you know, studied it a lot more and here we are. So really to answer your question, it was from my own journey and self-sabotaging in every area and just really being sick and tired of it. Yeah. So if somebody is listening to this right now and they're like, Ooh, Evelyn, you are speaking to me right now. They're like, girl, I do all the self-sabotaging <laughs> things. I don't have the monies. I don't have the relationships. Like I'm, I'm all on that level. Where is a place where they could start to even like dissect this? Like, what is the starting point of like, okay, I'm hearing this topic. This sounds like yeah. it could pertain to me. Like, where do I start? What, what do I go from there? Um, okay. So to start off, I mean, you can be someone who likes to read and there's a book called it didn't start with you by Mark Wolin. And I highly recommend that some people are just like, I don't have the time to read. I don't want it. I I, I want support. So that's where I come in and I offer specific sessions on inner uh, generational trauma healing. So I have something called my spark method, which is actually what I created after working with so many people through generational trauma healing and recognizing there's a certain pattern that we all go through to heal. Awesome. Would you be able to speak a little more about like what the spark process is like? Yeah. So the first step is S in spark, which is setting the stage. So we all have different characters in our life that have contributed to our core wounds. Oftentimes, the more traumas we've experienced in childhood, the more we want to run away from our past. But when you really think about it, your parents, whether you're close with them or not, biological or not, those people in your early childhood really shape who you are today, whether you whether you want to agree or not. So setting the stage, pinpointing who those different characters are. And then it's P, which is pinpointing the root cause. Oftentimes we, like you and I have just talked about self-sabotage, lack of confidence, body image, parenting issues, relationship, marriage issues. Like those are the common problems that we all have that then we're like, okay, I need to work and heal from that. But when you really think about that, those are just the rotten fruits on the tree. If you don't get to the root, the rotten fruits will keep popping up. So we want to get to the root of what actually is the root cause of that. And oftentimes it's one of two things. It's either the fear of not being good enough 
or not being enough or the fear of not being loved. Every challenge limiting belief boils down to either of those two. So we got to the root. We help you figure out where and when that really started in your life. And then it's A, this is probably the most challenging and difficult, but the most liberating part, which is acknowledge the challenge. You have, and you probably agree with this and I'll let you tell me if you, <laughs> if you are not taking responsibility and ownership for how things have manifested in our life. You know, we look around to all, to the people around us and it's so easy to see that it's so easy to be in victim mode. Like life is happening to me, not for Mm -hmm. me. And we like to put the blame on every person, right? Like if you're in consistent relationships where the partner's cheating on you, uh, all of a sudden it's all men are trash, all men are horrible, but we never really stop and think to see where we can take responsibility for the role that we played in how things have manifested. So really being able to get to that part really liberates people. Like it's like, oh, wow, I do have control over my life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I want to stop and like really emphasize that part because, you know, I think a lot of times, and certainly like with the work that I do, and it's a lot of, you know, women coming from toxic relationships and and things that are, can feel really hard and heavy. And there is this tendency to place blame on how the other person has acted Mm -hmm. and all of these things that have happened. And while that person may have acted terribly, you also have a part in accepting that and until you can accept that part about yourself, that there was an aspect of you that was okay with that, that there was an aspect of you that was sitting in that and choosing that. And this mm-hmm. is, I do get a lot of pushback from people, typically not my clients. Cause by the time they're my clients, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to take the responsibility, yeah. but I certainly get like, you know, some, some messages, some interesting messages from people. Like when I put that out there, you know, and it's like, well, no, I was, you know, this happened to me, this happened to me, that happened to me. Like, it's not my fault. And I'm not saying, we're not saying it's your fault. We're actually saying it's literally not your fault, but you have to be the one to recognize it. Like nobody can do the work for you. Nobody can change your life for you. So it's like option one is to talk about why you are the way you are and choose to stay that way. Option two is to look at why you are the way you are and then go, oh, and because I have this new level of awareness, now I actually get to choose to take a different route to go a different way. And that's where your power is. If you don't do that part of actually choosing the new way, then you just literally are remaining like a victim to life. And then you actually don't even get to live life how you want to live. And then you're kind of miserable and that sucks. We don't want that. No, (laughs) I completely agree. I mean, it's easier to be in victim mode, like taking radical responsibility for your life, I think is one of the hardest things. So it's just easier to just sit back and like let life pass you by and put every blame on everybody else. I mean, I think, I mean, I've done it at points in my life and it is a lot more comfortable, but then it's like, would you rather stay in that place and sit in those, the negative consequences that come with that? or do the hard work of like getting really real with yourself and doing the necessary things. Cause this radical responsibility part I've noticed is where we can actually forgive ourselves and Mm -hmm. forgiveness. I feel like is one of the key things to healing. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you take responsibility again, it's not saying like, it's my fault that this happened, but it's saying, this is what happened. It's literally just looking at the truth. Like this is what happened. This was my part in it. 
I can recognize that I was a human that was literally just doing the best that I could with what I knew at the time. Now that I know more, I can choose to do something differently and I can look back at my past self and go, oh my God, she didn't know what she was doing. Poor thing. <laughs> like, let me give you a hug. Not yeah. let me yell at you and tell you how dumb you are. Or how, you know, how could you? Right. And yeah. I think that's a, that's a trap that we can also get into, right? Like, especially mm -hmm. people, like if you're just coming into the healing word or you're just, you know, you're just kind of finding out all this stuff about yourself. It's really easy to all of a sudden take like this new information that you just got and then start trying to apply it to the past and being like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. When in reality you couldn't have, right? Yeah. Like you didn't know. And I think that's a really important part of it too, is like being able to like, yeah, accept it, look at it for what it was. And then again, make the choice moving forward as to what you want. hundred mm percent. -hmm. So we were on R of, was our radical responsibility? No, A was oh. acknowledge the challenge. Okay. Okay. R is probably my favorite part, which is release so you can heal. So I actually walk my clients through a role-playing visualization exercise where they actually heal an energetic relationship with the person who contributed to their core wounds. And awesome. I think I can count on like, one of my hands, the people who didn't cry because you're releasing so much. Like we try to run away from the people who've hurt us. Right. But sometimes like that energy is still there. So being able to hear the things that this person could have said, or being able to fully express yourself in a safe space is really, really powerful. And then K is keys to freedom. So at the end of all of this, the breakthroughs, the energy healing that they get, it literally gives them the keys to actually continue moving forward. So I'm super proud to say that we have a hundred percent success rate. And so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I think release is just an important part, um, to healing in general. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of times where it's like, we think we can just like override the things that have happened. Right. Where it's just like, Oh, I just want to like you know, go, go, go and do, 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 and like try to get, and we're just like running our lives in this sort of whatever I achieve mode and trying to just override all the stuff, act like it's not there, act like it didn't affect mm -hmm. us when really you can just release it. So I love, love, love that you've included that in your, in your program and the healings, because that's really the key, right? Like we get to release it and then we don't have to hold on to that energy. Yeah. And that's such a freeing experience. And so I would love for you, since you're, you know, you obviously came up with this method because that's what you're doing with yourself. So what do you think was like the most significant release work that you had to do with yourself to be able to like, really feel like, okay, I'm out of the self-sabotage. I'm out of the things. Like, what was mm -hmm. that process like for you? It's so interesting because all my clients got to experience it, but I never experienced the spark method on myself. <laughs> I had kind of just like, kind of dabbled into like my own healing and, you know, I would be in certain programs and we would hit like one aspect of it, but there was this one day, um, just actually a few, I want to say a few months ago where a lot of not so great thoughts came up about money. And it was actually right after my parents had left. And I was like feeling a little bit of heaviness in my heart. And I was like, Oh, I need to do some healing around like mom some other wound stuff. And it just dawned on me. I was like, Oh my God, I've never actually done this spark session on myself. Like I've done it with all these clients, but there's never been a person to be able to do it on me. So I walked through the process myself and it was, so I had closed my eyes and I had done this healing work with both of my parents, like 
really being able to say to them all the things that I've always wanted to say them to them as a kid, but never got the chance to say, but then also in turn, hear the, the words that little Evelyn needed to hear from her parents growing up, but never mm-hmm. got to hear. And that's where the, a lot of the inner child healing also comes in too. So I was like sobbing because a lot of us, our parents, unfortunately, do not live in a time where they think that they need help. Like <laughs> my parents don't think that mental health really even exists, you know, like they would never go to a therapist. They would never get that help. And so I think a lot of us feel a little discouraged because we're like, I'm frustrated. Like I'm mm-hmm. doing the work and how come you can't, but we just got to recognize that a lot of our parents come from a different time. And unfortunately they're just not in that place too. So this healing work allowed me to give little Evelyn the healing that I needed, not directly from my parents, but from like for myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, that's a really important part of this whole thing too, because if we wait for people to be who we think we need them to be, we're literally never going to be able to move forward. Yeah. Right. And that's where it's like, the, it kind of ties in with the acceptance too. Cause it's like, we have to accept what happened. We also have to accept that like, that might just be how our parents are and we can only do what we can do for ourselves. And yeah. I, I'm curious. Cause I know I've experienced this, like, uh, with myself, my own healing work with my clients. It's like, when you do that process on yourself, it shifts the energy with your family. Like they don't actually have to do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't have to change. They don't have to do anything, but you are then showing up differently with them because you have this release. You maybe have a different level of forgiveness and acceptance for them. So I'm wondering how that has shown up in your life. Yeah. I always say healing creates the biggest ripple effect. Like oftentimes I come across a lot of people who are wanting their husbands to go through therapy because like their husbands is the problem. And it's like, I'm sure that he has his own things to work on, but like you might have a part to play in all this. So I don't know if like if for everyone who's listening, like if I used to live in this apartment that had like this massive pool and I always loved going into this pool. Cause the moment that I put like my foot in, you, you see this ripple and it's like, just like the analogy of life, like healing. It's like a pebble in a lake. When you put that pebble in, you can't stop the ripple effect that continues happening from it. So a question that I always get all the time is like, well, my parents aren't healing or my partner doesn't want to heal, but the best thing we can actually do to help them on that journey is to start with ourselves. So exactly everything that you just said was what happened to me. I kind of lost hope, um, in having a really strong relationship with my parents, just because they're your stereotypical, very authoritarian Asian parents. You know, they come from a completely different culture, uh, different values, like, emotional connection is just not really a thing Mm -hmm. um, because they're just trying to make you help you survive. Like that was survival. Like if I put food on the table, like you're taking care of, like, that's that, like, we don't talk about how you feel, you know, we don't kiss the boo-boo on your like knee or anything like that. So I moved away from home. Um, and I left from Canada and moved to California and the saying of distance truly makes the heart grow fonder is really accurate because in that time I was able to heal. And in my healing, like you just mentioned, my handling of my triggers changed. 
I mm-hmm. developed healthier coping skills. So things that my parents used to say that would throw me in the deep end, like I would turn into this, like the the inner child where I would like lash out and fight back with my dad and say mean things and just, just get so angry. I was able to like calm myself down and recognize that, you know, he's saying these things out of his own wounds and traumas. And so because I reacted differently, I broke the strategy of how we interacted. I broke that cycle. So when a cycle is broken, you got to create a new one. So then it was kind of like, my dad is so used to me acting a certain way. And so I wasn't acting that way anymore. It forced him to change how he then interacted with me after that. And so I can't even remember the last time that my dad and I had an argument. Um, and it's, it's just, it's wild. Like I've noticed a complete 180 in both of my parents. They actually just came down to visit me here in California and it was the best trip, you know, the day before my dad left, he got in my car. We went to go get gas together and it was so awkward, but it was the cutest thing. He was like, so how's business over here in the States? <laughs> he doesn't ever ask me how I'm doing. So, and then one thing he said, he's like, you know, like if you're ever struggling, like, you know, that you can come to mom and I, like, you don't have to pretend that you have it all together. Like, don't fear that you're disappointing us. Like you've done such amazing things, like being out here on your own. And like, I cannot tell you my inner child just like died with love that day. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I think it's a true testament to how doing your own work really does shift. I mean, the thing is, is what most people don't understand is that other people are responding to our energy and it's like our only power really is how we respond to things. And it's, so it's like, if you, like you said, like you come in, you guys probably had this habitual pattern of like, he says this, I get triggered. I act this way. We get in a fight and that's what it is. And it's just like this repeating cycle. And now you get to be the cycle breaker. And that's like what, what this stuff is really all about, especially when we're talking about the generational trauma, because it's like now the fact that you got to have that conversation with your dad, who, you know, maybe a few years ago, you couldn't even have like pictured that conversation. Right. And so now you are literally healing him. And this is what I love. This is what I love so much about this kind of work. It's like, we do our healing work. We get to literally heal our family by being the cycle breaker. And it's, it's hard work. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not easy stuff. Right. And I'm so glad that you were able to like get that validation for your inner child, because I think that is so, so beautiful. I'm like, I have like the biggest smile on my face. I'm like, that's the (laughs) cutest story. (laughs) I love it so, so much. And if you're listening and you're like, oh, my parents have never come around like that. Don't worry, girl, mine neither. It's fine. (laughs) And I do think it's interesting to kind of something you said earlier, like for a lot of us that are doing, you know, this kind of work, our family doesn't necessarily understand it. No. You know, like, and I think particularly in the Asian culture, like you were speaking about, and I've certainly have many clients that have echoed this, you know, they're not really emotionally in tune. And mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the biggest things to get to have to work through as well. And I, and I want people hearing that, like listening to this really to start considering like not only just their family per se, but like the cultural cues, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, like Asian culture, like how is that thought of, how is that presented? 
right? And mm-hmm. so I'm curious for you what you feel like maybe you have had to overcome within, you know, being Asian and that sort of perception. Right. Um, this is a really great question because a lot of people don't really ask that. Um, you know, I've been in the entrepreneurial space since 2015. And to be completely honest with you, I've only ever had white coaches. There was mm-hmm. nobody else that looked like me that I could look up to. Like, it just wasn't there. Like you couldn't see this, you know, boss, babe, Asian woman who's like standing strong in her ground. And so, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood, um, just always made to feel bad about who I was, where I came from. I, while everybody else was like eating, you know, sandwiches, I was bringing like rice and soy sauce with chopsticks (laughs) to class. And then I would get picked on for it. And so I kind of grew to just hate my culture and where I came from. And so as I got older, it, a large part of my healing was owning all parts of me because you can't, you can't move forward and be the success you want to be. If there are still parts of you that you still feel shame and guilt around. And within the last two years, I had to heal that part. The part of me that like hated being called Evelyn because it was such a unique old name. I hated being Asian. I hated speaking Cantonese. I literally dyed my hair like platinum blonde. And so I, we, I, we have to recognize that we are different. But at the same time, we're also the same. It's like a wild thing. You know what I mean? Like you're, you got to recognize that if you come from a different background, a different race, a different religion, there are certain things that you experience that the majority of the population has never experienced. So validating my own experiences was massive. Like recognizing like, oh, wow, you know, you had a really traumatizing childhood, Evelyn, because your parents were really strict with you in these ways. And, you know, they interacted with you in these ways and they made you feel worthless in these ways. And really accepting that and validating our inner child's experiences is really powerful. Yeah. I think that's so, so important because it is, there are very distinct experiences that happen within certain cultures that don't happen within others. And if you are somebody who has never experienced that before, you literally can't understand what that is like, you know? And I think that that's such an important aspect about this is, you know, if you're going to work with a coach, like you want to work with somebody who really like either totally is tuned into that fact or, you know, has experience with that because otherwise, you know, I think in general, sometimes there's a lot of messages with the healing of like, Oh, if you just do this thing, this thing, this thing, and it's like a blanketed sort of statement that this is how it works, or this is what it is. And it doesn't necessarily consider like other cultures and, you know, really speaking to people at the level that they're at. And I think that that's a really, really important thing. And I'm, and I'm really happy that you're doing, you know, that work within yourself to be like a strong Asian woman that's coming out here and saying like, yeah, like you can, you know, here I am because you're right. Actually, I don't think that I've really seen a lot of, you know, Asian women coaches that are out here really even talking about this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, with a lot of the coaches that I've had in the past, a few of them really invalidate a lot of my experiences and that added to a whole other level of trauma in entrepreneurship, because it makes Mm. you kind of question, like, is there something wrong with me? You know what I mean? Like, I think as coaches and leaders, we oftentimes don't realize the influence and the power that we have when we're working with our clients, you know, because a lot of people come into these relationships codependent. 
So they're putting all of their trust into us. And so if we're not healed, if we are not careful with the things that we say, we could literally throw our clients in the deep end without even realizing it. Absolutely. And I think that's really important to, to, you know, there's a lot of coaches that are not trauma informed and that can cause more damage because if you don't understand how to validate people's feelings, like, I I think that's like the number one thing that I do for people and why people even like me is because I just validate their experience. Like want to be a good coach, validate people's experiences because you literally don't, you literally don't know what they've been through in their life. And I do agree with you that off, you know, that message of like, you know, there's sometimes it's just like, Oh, you know, like, well, just kind of get over it sort of thing, or just, you know, without understanding what the deeper layer of work is. And that can be so damaging, especially when you come into a situation and you're already feeling maybe a little bit hurt. And then, or if you're holding a story of like, oh, this doesn't work for me, nothing ever works for me. And then the coach comes to this sort of thing, like, well, this is how you do it. And if this doesn't work, then, you know, there is something wrong with you. Right. Yeah. So I think it's really, really important that we have more coaches that are like more really dealing with what you're dealing with, you know, like actually going through and looking at like, well, what's the root cause of this thing? Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to look at the patterns that we have, but it's a whole other thing to look at like, well, what's underneath that? Cause if we can get to what's underneath that, well, then we have a ripple effect of like getting rid of all the other stuff. Right. You know, what's so interesting though? Like, so I used to be a fitness and health coach and then I transitioned to business coaching and it's actually being in both of those industries and seeing the realities of what was happening that actually also coupled with my experience led me to inner child work. And when I came into this work, I was like, oh my God, like coaches and leaders are going to be like my biggest clients, but they're actually the people who are in denial the most. Which has been so interesting for me because like, you know, coaches, you know, we all like, okay, let's hire our mentors to help us get ahead. But a lot of the coaches that I've been talking to are just like, no, I don't need this. Like things are great right now. So like, I, I, I definitely don't need it. And like the denial is, is insane. And when I started talking more about my experiences with substance abuse, then I started getting more coaches and leaders messaging me also sharing with me that they were struggling with the same thing. So that's just been something really interesting that like you and I are talking about coaches and I'm like, Hmm, this has been a theme that I've been noticing. Yeah. And you know, I think that's interesting too, that you, you brought up substance abuse. And I think that this is something important to hit on as well, because it's like, um, you know, abuse oftentimes is just a symptom of underlying trauma. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that and they, you know, there's a lot of behaviors that we might have and maybe not even considering it like substance abuse or whatever, maybe just certain things that we do to sort of not have to deal with ourselves, you know, not have to deal with the underlying thing. So what, what was that experience like for you? Um, you know, I guess coming to that realization or coming to the point of being like, okay, yeah, I have a problem here. And what was that like? I was in denial for probably eight years of my life, which was really hard for me to admit at first because no one likes to admit that they were in denial, you know, Um, because we all have egos. And so I struggled with cannabis addiction specifically 
for over eight years of my life. And when I start sharing my story on TikTok, you know, some people who would be triggered would be like, you can't get addicted to cannabis. But in reality, it's not cannabis itself that's addicting. It's the person behind it and that relationship with it that can. Anything can be addicting. We can be addicted to gambling, addicted to sex. And so I, I feel like I, there was a part of me that always knew that I had like a tiny little bit of dependency, but because I was never in a situation where I had to look at it dead in the eyes, I kind of just brush it off. You know, when you're making your own money and you have the means to go get it, you never think of the idea of like, oh, I have a problem, but mm-hmm. it's when you don't have it and you can't get it, then you start noticing you're acting a different way. So in 2020 was when my addiction got to the worst. And I was spending hundreds of dollars every month on like bait pens and flour. And when I couldn't get it, it was all I could think about. And I started just noticing myself go into this downward spiral, uh, mentally and emotionally. And I was like subconsciously reaching out for help. I had actually reached out to a couple of coaches and mentors at that time. And basically kind of saying like, I need support with this, but a lot of them didn't really know how to hold space for me. And I tried this thing where I just took a month off, like a 30 day hiatus just to heal my relationship with it. And that 30 days now has been over a year and three months. So, oh wow, yeah, I think it was, thank you. So yeah, I was just recognizing that like, this is not serving me in any way, but I had also relapsed many times in the eight years I had tried quitting many times and I kept going back. So this was the longest I've ever been sober. So, and this also kind of lines up with the timeline of you really starting to get further into the, you know, generational trauma work that you're doing. So do you feel like that had a direct effect on your ability to put it down? Uh, yeah, I was definitely a lot more aware of it. So beginning uh, right when the pandemic hit, I had moved in with my aunt and uncle, which I loved them to pieces, but there was a lot of childhood trauma that I had experienced with one of them. So when I was in that household, everything from childhood came up. It was the most traumatizing time. And I was left to deal with, you know, the physical and mental abuse that I had experienced as a child living with one of the, one of them. Mm -hmm. And so through that, then, you know, you're, trying to cope. And the best way I knew how to cope was cry and then also smoke and get high and numb my pain and feelings away. So I think because I started healing at this time, we've been healing, you know, for a long time. Right. But really diving deeper into this work was when I started having more awareness. Like I was more woken up. I, my consciousness had raised. So Mm -hmm. when it kind of came time for the theme of substance abuse to be looked at, it was like, okay, I can make the connections now to why I struggled with substance abuse, get to the root of it. And that was, I think, why I had a higher success rate when it came to getting sober. Right. And I think it's important that healing, like it's not comfortable, right? Like everyone (laughs) needs to know this. I think there's a lot of myths around healing and things like, Oh, you know, when this happens, I'll be all good or or all these things. But it's like healing is really making us more available to what's what our emotions are. Right. Like, and when you're doing the healing work and really like allowing yourself to process, you can't numb, you know, cause if you're numbing, it's like kind of defeating the purpose. 
And that's like a really hard script to override for a lot of people. Cause it's like, we instantly want to go like run to a substance or run to go shopping or run to go, I don't know, scroll on social media for 10 hours a day or whatever it is to get outside of ourselves. When the reality is, is like, sometimes you just gotta sit with it and let it yeah. be right. And yeah, I think- it was really, no, go on. I was to say, I think, you know, 2020 for a lot of people, I think was like, you know, a really, it brought a lot of things to a head, right? Oh, for sure. And it's really interesting because after I quit smoking cannabis, then I fell into vape pens Hmm. and nicotine and then had my experience with that and then found myself replacing it with social media and mindless Hmm. scrolling and watching YouTube and Netflix and just wondering like, what am I doing? And the more that I share about this, the more that people are like, I struggle with the same thing. So it's like, it's wild because a lot of us don't realize that we have this problem. And then, but everyone around us is actually going through the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's especially because I mean, like social media sort of like trains us to be on the app a lot. Like, I mean, I don't know if you watched that Netflix documentary that was talking about it. Yeah, that was crazy. And I recently just did like a month where I was off Instagram and stuff. And I got to tell you, like, it was, it was really nice. Like, It was really nice. Like, you know, I would check in a few times to like, look at my messages and whatever, but I was like, I'm not posting, I'm not scrolling. I don't, you know, it's, it's an interesting balance too, that I think we have to have as people that, you know, are on it for business purposes or whatever it is, but it's still so easy to fall into that trap. And like, it really just does like suck the life out of you if you let it. And, And the reality is it's like, we're here to live life, like go experience life, not live it just through, you know, looking at curated pictures on a phone. Yeah. A hundred percent. I ended up having the best balance I've ever had with my business, especially being an online entrepreneur was getting a separate phone just for work. So now when I'm on Instagram for work, whether it's editing posts and, you know, engaging with social media, I'm on my work phone. So then my brain can be like, you're working now. Like not scrolling. So for anyone who's an entrepreneur, highly recommend if you're able to, you know, get some sort of like cheap phone or something like that, that you can just like use as like your work phone. That's an actually great idea. I love that so much. So I just have a couple more questions, but one thing, um, I, I wanted to ask was like, what do you feel like is the most misunderstood thing about healing generational trauma? that well okay so there's two things one people don't realize that that's actually the root of inner child healing like the reason why inner child wounds are a thing is because of generational trauma but then there's a lot of people who don't think that they have inner child wounds because their childhood was great Mm -hmm. so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is a lot of people are in denial that they have anything to heal from that's probably like I would say like the biggest thing right And yeah. And it's like, the reality is, is nobody got out of childhood without some wounding, not like it had to be bad, but it's you're, you were a child and you picked up beliefs that don't serve you. You made things mean certain things. Like I always like to tell people, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's literally just 
neural connections in your brain that were formed before like 10 years old. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's not like, oh, you've got all of this trauma to deal with. And some people certainly do, but you know, it can really just be so simple as like your childhood self started believing certain things and you kept on believing them because you didn't know that you were believing them and yeah. that's it, you yeah. know? And I do think that that's an important thing for people to realize. It's like every single human can benefit from, from doing this kind of work. Yeah. Cause denial is the one thing that will hold you back. Denial. Right. When you are in a state of denial, you are closing your brain off from the opportunity to look outside of that box you put yourself in. And then you wonder why you're constantly repeating the same patterns, why you're constantly attracting the same toxic people into your life, why you are in a career that you hate, why you feel stuck and stagnant. So the moment that you switch outside of that and and even just open up to the possibility that like, wow, like maybe my childhood was not fine and dandy. Maybe there are some things in my ancestral line that's affecting me that I might not have realized. Let's just dabble and start exploring that. That will change your life. Yeah. Change mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you could go back and give your 18 year old self one piece of advice, what would that be? I'm like trying to think of where I was when I was 18. Um, One piece of advice to my 18 year old self, I would say to keep like, to trust yourself. I didn't learn how to trust myself until like my early mid twenties, mostly my mid twenties and trusting yourself is the one thing that will get you far in life. So trust yourself, no matter what anybody else says around you, no one will know you and what you need to do next better than you and your intuition. Yeah. I love that so much. So, so important. And my last question I want to ask you, so you're on the worshiped woman podcast and here at the worshiped woman is the idea that self-worship is something that's sort of beyond self-love even it's how can I see myself as somebody who deserves to be honored, respected? How can I treat myself that way? How can I make myself feel like the worshiped woman? Right. And so I'm curious, what would being the worship woman look like for you? To surrender to, again, what your intuition and what the universe asks of you as women, we like to be in control of things. We like to fit our life to the planner and to the schedule that we've created for ourselves. So when our intuition and the universe steers us into a different path, we're like, "Uh, uh, I've got to go with what I got to do. So I think the the worship woman looks like someone who trusts herself enough to know that whatever download she gets or whatever inclination she has to go steer away from the normal path that she's on or the path that was set out for her, that that's going to be the path that she's meant to be on. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that so much. Evelyn, thank you so much for being here with us today. Can you tell everybody where's best to find you? Thank you so much for having me on. So um, you can find me on all the social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, as well as my website at Evolve with Evelyn. And I also have a podcast. So um, feel free to hop on over there as well. 
Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Evelyn. And everybody, we will have that all linked up in the show notes for you. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. If you loved this conversation, you want to share it, take a screenshot, let us know that you're listening. You can tag me at Miss Kelly Kristen. You can tag Evelyn at evolve with Evelyn. We want to hear from you. What was your breakthrough? What, what are you loving about the podcast? And of course, if you want to leave a five-star rating interview on Apple podcasts, I would be so grateful. I love you guys so much and we'll talk to you soon.